Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we give a voice to those women whose story is meaningful, moving, and compelling. We share their stories with the world so that in their shining, they give permission to others to shine as well. Today's guest is Lisa Kaplowitz. Lisa, thank you so much for being here. Um, I'm so, so happy that we finally got uh, you scheduled. We're both busy women, and this is a delight to have you here today. Oh, thank you for having me. I love what you are doing to advance women in the workplace place by breaking down bias and communication, and so excited to share my story with your audience, as well as some of the work I'm doing to achieve equal representation and pay for women in business. Awesome, awesome. So I know that we uh, met through LinkedIn and just you know, shared common values and our goals aligned. And I had a great couple of phone conversations with Lisa. And then I met Lisa in person when I was traveling for business in Philadelphia. She came down and met me. Um, it was wonderful. It's so great to really, you know, share you with the world now. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, and, and I do feel that we are uh, kindred spirits, um, possibly separated at birth. So <laughs> Um, you know, my, my professional career really began with my athletic career, um, and they're very intertwined. So I started gymnastics when I was three and ended up competing with much of the girls in the 92 and 96 Olympic Games. Um, I grew up in Arizona, and my family at times struggled financially. And I knew even from an early age that athletics was my ticket into a better situation. Um, I studied hard. And gymnastics led me to Brown University, where I gained an education and landed an investment banking job on Wall Street. Um, at the same time, gymnastics also introduced me to women's advocacy, which I'll get to in a second. Um, so the investment banking work was really exciting. The hardest part of the job was that there were two women who were in my analyst class, me, the brunette gymnast, and my roommate, the blonde lacrosse player. And so the hardest part was actually telling all the other guys apart because they all kind of look the same. Um, but I did learn more in those <laughs> areas um, than I could have anywhere else, um, which happens when you're working to 80 to 100 hours a week. Um, but I really struggled with the lifestyle and the lack of control I had. Um, I ultimately went to the company side and eventually back to school and got my MBA from Kellogg, um, but got scared of my student loans and relapsed back to investment banking to pay off. Um, <laughs> Again, um, I loved the work, intellectually challenging, but really despised the lifestyle. So um, think of Texas, go big or go home. Um, I had 50 recruiters going and convinced Bed Bath & Beyond to hire me. Um, they didn't have an open position, but ultimately they created one for me. And I ended up functioning as the treasurer of the company for about eight years. Um, from there, I wanted a more senior role and my ego told me um, that I needed a C in my title. So I networked like crazy again and joined one of Al Catterton's portfolio companies as their CFO. Um, startup land is very different than big companies um, and um, requires a very different skill set. Um, I love the ethos of the brand, but the company was struggling um, with their cash flows and my older son was struggling with reading. So I made a monumental for me decision um, to become a stay-at-home mom. I lasted two years, side note. <laughs> That was a year and three quarters longer than anyone in my neighborhood thought I would last. <laughs> um, 
But um, I, I'm really grateful for the time I had with them. And around this time, an opportunity presented itself to teach a finance course at Rutgers. Um, that quickly turned into a full-time faculty appointment and I love it. Um, I also realized that full-time teaching is not full-time investment banking. So it's given me an opportunity to pursue more advocacy and nonprofit work. Um, and this is where the second part of the Athletics Foundation um, comes through. Um, Brown ended up cutting my sport um, when I was going. And our case set a precedent. Um, we ended up suing under Title IX. Title IX is part of the Educational Amendment Act of 72, and in the 90s, it was played out in athletics and basically said that any school that received funding from the government had to provide equal opportunities for men and women in all aspects of the curriculum. So we ended up suing the school. Spoiler alert, we won. And I'm super <laughs> because our case ended up setting a precedent. Brown added more women's teams and didn't cut any men's teams from their programs. It created a catalyst for other universities, high schools, and youth sports across the country to add more women's teams. And now I am so proud that Brown has one of the biggest athletics programs for women in the United States. I continue my advocacy today at Brown. I co-created uh, an organization called Brown Athletics Women, Women's Opportunity Mentorship and Empowerment Network, which is a student alumni affinity group and also serve as a board member of PowerPlay, a nonprofit that uses sports to advance the lives of underserved girls. I feel very strongly about the foundation of sports. Uh, a recent EY ESPNW study showed that 94% of women in the C-suite played sports growing up and over half played at the college level. The more girls and women that play sports, the more prepared they are to lead in business and politics and medicine and law and life. So, that let me ask you, yeah, let me ask you a little bit. Um, that's a lot just to take in. All great. I feel like I just had the best tasting healthy meal ever. Like <laughs> that's a lot of great information. Um, I wanted to say you're, you're fascinating. So folks, you can't see her because this is only audio. Um, but you look like you I don't know, like all that you've done into this one beautiful, wonderful uh, woman, you know, inside and out, you're beautiful. And Thank to think you. that you've done all of this, I know the world from which you came, um, you know, from financial services. It is not the lifestyle that one can sustain long-term. And like you, when I was in it, I didn't appreciate it either. It's definitely um, the bro code everywhere you go. Um, but you made some great choices in, in getting out. I was laughing when you said that people couldn't imagine you as a stay-at-home mom because I'm right there. I cannot <laughs> imagine you as a stay-at-home mom. But then you turned it around and made something great of it and took those skills, which stay-at-home moms have a lot of skills, great skill sets, and they can apply those in the work setting. I'm so impressed by, um, well, first of all, I love Bed Bath & Beyond, so that's pretty cool. Um, but secondly... I'm so impressed with how you were able to uh, transfer your skills to different industries and different roles in, in, and so forth. Now being at Rutgers and doing what you do, and that's how we connected folks. I, I know that she's a huge advocate for equity in the workplace, uh, especially for women and children. So women and girls, um, she definitely makes a difference if you 
don't know her, haven't read up on her, connect with her on LinkedIn. She's fascinating. Um, but let's go on to ask you a little bit, since you've, you've done so much professionally, uh, with which I'm super impressed, and I'm sure my audience is too. Tell us what has been your proudest professional accomplishment. Sure. So I think what I'm most proud of is bringing all of this together. And this past April, my colleague Sangeeta Rao and I launched the Rutgers Business School Women's Initiative. And our mission is to create women business leaders by removing the barriers and empowering them with confidence and expertise to enter and succeed in a continuously evolving workplace. We noticed that Rutgers Business School had pockets of programming that were dedicated to women, undergraduate clubs, an undergraduate leadership development program, that there was nothing comprehensive and centralized. So we just created it. Um, in two months, we raised a lot of money. You can always raise more. We created a board and are developing programming for our students and alumni. The whole concept is to create the spot leadership loop between industry and academia. And we're finding that there is a need and a passion internally and externally to do it. So it's super. I think you've hit the ultimate, you know, everyone would buy into that. Everyone believes in that. I mean, there are a certain few who probably don't, but I haven't met those folks. Everyone at least claims to want to support such an initiative. I know you have my vote and you can oh, sign me you. up. Um, I am a go-getter, passionate about this cause. Whatever you need from me, just you know, email me and I'm there. Uh, but that's so, so impressive. And folks, that's really what connected us is this most recent um, undertaking that Lisa has successfully, you know, not conquered because it's a process. It's not over and done. It's, you know, in fact, the outcome is the process, you know, to, the fact that you continue to do this is a great thing. There's no end in sight when it comes to this. As generations grow and girls become women, we want them to not remember the days when, you know, we want the days when to be, a, you know, equity and equal pay and opportunity and fair evaluation in the workplace. I mean, there's so many changes that need to take place. Um, let me ask you, someone had to inspire you, maybe many people, uh, who was your you know, most memorable mentor? Sure, I have, I have quite a few, um, but I'll try to keep it brief. Um, one of the most inspirational women ever, uh, who I was fortunate enough to have taken her class when I was at Kellogg was Oprah Winfrey. Wow. And she, she only taught twice, uh, and I was lucky to take her course. And she said something that's resonated with me that I've carried throughout my career. And she said, you can do it all, but you can't do it all at the same time. And I think awesome. we, need to, we all have a different view of what all is. And we need to define that for ourselves. But you can't be everything to everybody, including yourself. And I think that's really important. Also, one of the best mentors and bosses I ever had was Andrea Weiss, who's a seasoned retail executive board member of Vetran. And she's always pushed me and challenged me to do more as an executive myself and as a person, and more importantly, has included me and taught me the value of including others in decision-making. And then the final one is Heidi Zach, who's the founder of Third Love. She was actually a junior analyst in my second stint of baking, and I was her mentor, both inside and outside the office. 
Fast forward many years, her and her husband have created this incredible mission-driven company that's inclusive, both internally within the company and to the women that they're serving. And I've been privileged to see her grow professionally, and she is absolutely inspiring to me as to what she's been able to do with her husband and herself. Wow. Can you tell me, um, would you be comfortable sharing what, what they do? Like, what's the company's sure. mission? So Third Love is a lingerie company, and they are taking on Victoria's Secret and challenging the stereotype of what the perfect woman is, because we are all perfect in our own way. And they've created bras in different sizes and half cups and expanded the size range as well, and in different colors, because we all have a different shade of nude. Oh my gosh, I love that. So now that you've described who they are, I know about them. So they advertise on Instagram and I'm that person that's a sucker for a good Instagram ad. They make it so easy to click shop now and buy here. Boom. Done. Um, I actually think I have purchased some of their items. I, awesome. I yeah, I, I want to talk them. with you. Yeah. I want to talk with you more about this after. Um, I have great ideas that you could probably share or that we would, you know, both benefit from if we shared. So let's talk more about that. That's great. And so to think that you helped to create who she is and she helped to create who you are, that's the beauty of women lifting women. And that's, so when I go out and I teach, so, so these podcasts, my listeners know these podcasts are what I do for a giving, but not what I do for a living. When I, I go out, way. yeah, yeah. So I used I, it, I borrowed it. Oh, you may. Anything that's Thank mine you. is not mine. It's, it's every woman's. Okay. So if it helps you um, change the landscape and create equity in the workplace, please take it, make it yours, share it with the world. Um, but, but I totally love you. You are not just a message. You're not just a messenger. You're living it. Like everything you're doing with Rutgers, everything you do with your partner, everything you have done with these people, um, who were your mentors. And I love that Oprah was one of your mentors. Um, I have a funny story about that that I'll share with you later. Uh, yeah, you're very fortunate, but I don't want to say lucky because you worked hard. There's no such thing as just luck. And, and I think all too often women's successes are either self-attributed or attributed by others to getting lucky or getting help from others. And that's just BS. Uh, we need to own our stories and say, hey, I worked hard for this. I'm going to keep working hard. And the result, whether it's good or bad, I own it. It's mine. So bravo to you. You're amazing. Um, I, I kind of want to have more than one podcast. With you. <laughs> you have so many great stories. Um, you know that I personally believe in women lifting women and, and stopping this This you know, oh, there are only two spots at the top. We need to claw each other's eyes out to get to them. No, forget that. Let's create more spots at the top. So how do you propose that women lift one another? Sure. Um, Besides I, getting a third love bra. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm a very tactical person and coming from finance, I'm all about execution and getting stuff done. So there are concrete ways that we can all do, both men and women, because if we're just talking to women, then we're just talking to ourselves and we need men to be part of the equation. So specifically what we can do is we can be the best, the next level mentor. We can be a sponsor, invite her to the meeting, prep her beforehand that you're gonna ask her 
her opinion on XYZ, then ask her at the meeting knowing she's gonna nail the answer because she's already practiced. Better yet, ask her to present the work that she did. I did this with somebody who worked for me when I was at Bed Bath & Beyond. She created, I created the five-year long-term forecast, but over time, I transitioned the updating and the maintenance and the owning of it to her. And we had to present it to the executive board. And she had never really presented before, but I wanted her to do it because she was the one that was doing the work. And fast forward today, she's a brand manager at a very big consumer products goods company. And she knows how to present and isn't scared anymore, but you have to take the time to do it. Some other things you can do, recommend her for the promotion, invite her to coffee, golf, exercise class, whatever it is that she likes to do that you can do with her, and then ask her about her specific goals and aspirations and how you can help. I with, love this. This is so more. Yeah, go on, go on. Okay. No, it's, I think I, there's so much that we can do. I feel like I should take notes on this. This is fantastic. Um, Basically, you walk the walk. You know, we always talk about look for opportunities to boost other women. Um, you're doing it. You're not saying we should lift women. You're just lifting women. Um, it's we, easy. It's just the right thing to do, right? It is the right thing to do. And if you're like I am, and I know you are in so many ways, um, it makes you feel good, right? It's totally. sort of self-serving as well because you feel good about living in service to others and helping others succeed. and um, I don't know. I, I, I feel great when I help other women and, and I see them succeed, even if they're paying it forward and it's nothing's directly uh, coming back to me as a return on my investment. The return for me is seeing them succeed and then share those messages of how to with other women. It's amazing. It's amazing. No, I agree. And I know you know this because you do a lot of work in this space, but women in general are not as good at promoting ourselves. Right. And while we're learning to lean in, it's up to the rest of us to actually recommend them, promote them, lobby for them to take the media assignments. One of my biggest pet peeves is that you never ask a man if he's able to handle the responsibilities of a promotion because he has to take care of his family or because he's about to have a child. Boom. So Right? So don't skip over that woman because you're often incorrectly assuming that she doesn't want more responsibility or that she's not the breadwinner and her husband's taking care of the kids or they have an arrangement where somebody else is helping out. She can be, she may be the only earner of her family and she should be making that decision. And who are we to assume, you know, uh, <laughs> who are we to assume? I always say, you know, never be afraid to meet someone you've never met before or talk to someone you've never talked to before or, you know, have any kind of conversation if you lead with questions. So why not just ask her speaking, you know, would you like to do this? How do you feel about this opportunity? Would this be something you're interested in doing, regardless of the fact that she's a woman or of childbearing age or even currently pregnant? We should not assume that she doesn't want the extra responsibility or couldn't handle it, let's just say. Um, I am so with you on that. That's one of my biggest pet peeves. And, you know, I think I, earlier in my career, when I was hiring and firing and managing people, actually was guilty of that assumption. You know, oh, she's not going to want that. 
uh, extra work because she's pregnant or, and that's wrong. That is so wrong. So I share those stories that, you know, you should ask, you should include her in her own decision. You should not only like what you just said, not only mentor people, but sponsor them. You just said the importance of sponsorship. You didn't use the word, but that's exactly what that is. Um, So sponsor other women and, you know, tell people that, you know, she's accomplished and she, and here's why I think she'd be great to be considered. Ask her. Um, I love that you do that. So most of the people I interview, talk to and teach don't really even know the difference between mentorship and sponsorship. So we go into great conversation about that because it's a huge difference and both are important. Uh, you just nailed it right there. That's sponsorship. Yeah, I, t- I, t- I totally agree. Um, and I think the easiest way to boil it down is mentoring is teaching. Sponsoring is doing. Yeah. Closing the knowing doing gap right there. Boom. Correct. Yeah. Awesome. We, we have so much more to talk about offline. Oh, I feel like I, I'm like, I want to, I want to jump into the laptop and like be there. <laughs> <laughs> and what a nice office you have folks. You can't see her office, but her home office is gorgeous. Um, so let me ask you, what has been your biggest challenge or setback? And I know you, you're so competitive and just get her done. Uh, how did you overcome it? So, you know, what's interesting when I, when I think about this, uh, first of all, I feel like I'm in an interview question, but <laughs> which is always challenging, right? But I think the biggest challenge that I have had is struggling with my identity and, and what I should do versus what I want to do. So I know what I can do. I know that there aren't many women in the C-suite. I can do it. I was pretty good at it. I know there aren't women investment bankers at the managing director level. I could do it, but it doesn't drive me and it doesn't motivate me as much. I think that's a whole separate conversation on the language that we put around purpose. And I think more women want to feel that they have a purpose and they're fulfilled and we need to structure what those roles are and, and to create that space for them to have that purpose. But my challenge is figuring out who I am. And I think a lot of us women struggle with that, especially as we progress throughout different life stages. I've been really fortunate that I've been able to reinvent myself. So as you know, from one of the first things I said on this podcast is I'm on my fourth or fifth career. I can't keep track. And <laughs> have been able to transition to each by maintaining my network and not burning any bridges. I actually just wrote an article about networking that I posted on LinkedIn recently. I've been an investment banker, a CFO, a stay-at-home mom, a finance professor, a consultant, and I made sure to learn a lot during each career and each phase. And looking back, I now realize what you said, it wasn't Lux that each career phase and life phase was actually a stepping stone. I could not have been a CFO without fundamental finance knowledge I learned as a banker. I would not have been as good of a mother to my kids if I had always been wondering, could I be that executive? Right. I would not be the professor I am without the foundation of both banking and company side experience, along with the patience and understanding I'm still trying to learn as a mother. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
And I would not be pushing for change or advocacy or advocating for equal representation and pay without all of these prior experiences combined. So one other thing Oprah said is find your passion and you will be successful. And you'll be successful emotionally, you'll be successful mentally, and you will ultimately be successful financially as well. And I really believe that. And I believe that too. And I love the order in which you stated those levels of success because I believe, you know, that if you do what you love doing, the money will come. If you're good at it, you love doing it, you're passionate, your enthusiasm is contagious, such as with you for sure. Uh, like I said, I just want to jump through my laptop and just be there with you and jump <laughs> up and down and go, yay, and give you the cuck. Um, yeah, Oprah is right. Not that I would ever say she's wrong. So far, I'm aligned with her thinking. Um, but yeah, she's right. Do what you love doing. Become great at it. Um, the passion and enthusiasm are contagious and the money will come. You will, you know, attract that the people of the same mindset and heart uh, felt passion for what you're doing. And that's your tribe, you know, so uh, do what you love doing, the money will come. You're very, very good. I think that you have a special touch. Uh, you know, the things that oh, you embark on. Yeah, yeah. Right I follow you. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and add that link to your LinkedIn article in our blog that we write. And we're going to sync this podcast into the blog as well. So I want people to know you in every way um, by reading about you, by hearing your voice. And I'm going to ask you to send me some um candid shots of you in real life, what you do. I don't like people just to send a headshot because we're not our headshots. I will ask you for that as well, but I'll ask, <laughs> you know, for picture that, pictures that people can get to know who you are, what you do outside of work, because, you know, uh, we want to be able to relate to you as well. So tell us something we don't know. Okay, so I have to say, I usually ask my guests, tell me a surprising fact about you. But you just loaded us up with a million surprising things that I didn't even know about you, Lisa. So uh, if, you can, if you can share with us something that maybe no one else knows or something that might surprise us, let us know. Sure. So my, my go-to in the icebreaker, Two Truths and a Lie, is I was in a movie in the 80s. <laughs> and it's true. If you look really closely at American Anthem, you can see my arm moving in the background. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Your arm is famous. My and arm she, is famous. Yeah, she has great arms, folks. So as an athlete, I'm sure <laughs> we'll recognize that arm. That's hilarious. That's great. You're such a good interviewee. So <laughs> okay. thank you so much. Now, you know, I'll, I'll put your contact info in the blog, great. but tell the people who are listening how they can reach you if they want to learn more about you. Sure. So I'm on LinkedIn. You can email me at lisa.kaplowitz, K-A-P-L-O-W-I-T-Z, at business.ruckers.edu. And you can find me on Twitter at Lisa, at Lisa Kaplowitz. Nice. Very nice. Well, this was fun and I'm going to say our goodbyes and tell folks, thank you for listening and to look forward to the blogcast that I'll put out within a week or so. Um, awesome. Thank you, Susan. So much fun. Totally. Totally. You're awesome. 
Have a great day, everybody, and thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye.